Welcome to Rocket with Chief, conversations to take you places. And today we are talking all things sales, sales in a connected world. And we are glad to invite Steve Clements, founder and director of Braven Solutions, and David Pereira, director. Having the creativity to build a product that can solve a business need is one thing. Having the ability to convince someone to pay for it is totally different. Raven Solutions has built a company on bridging the divide between clients and service pro providers underpinned by technology. Business and development and sales has long been seen as an art, but Braven is making it as much a science. Steve, David, thank you for joining me to share some of the trials and tribulations of running a business in these exciting times. Now, Steve, Braven is not a new business. This has been around for 17 years under your stewardship. Give me a high-level pitch of what Braven does. Uh, Dan, yeah, 17 years, and the business has changed significantly. You know, um, COVID has had its impact. The ways, of, the ways of work have changed significantly. So when we started out the business, it was all around people, sales not being called to people's businesses. So what we found in the technology space specifically is that generally your kind of techie entrepreneurial type of guys would develop a system, an application, the latest gizmo. And what they would do is they would take it to market. And so what would happen is that the same guys who were involved in the technology side of things were also trying to sell the product. And so you had this like sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, and you don't have sustainable growth in your business. Um, to try and find salespeople, manage salespeople, and get a predictable revenue stream and pipeline is an incredibly difficult thing. Salespeople, in my opinion, are incredibly difficult to manage. And so we came up with the concept of having an outsourced sales team. I think the beauty of what we do is not only do lead generation, but people don't realize by taking on a sales guy, you're almost lining up for failure. So many times young companies take on a sales guy and it just doesn't work. Why? Because it's not a single role. People don't understand that this is a multiple role environment. What you cannot just hire a sales guy. Where does he get his data to work from? Where does he get his, his information around the content, around approaching new customers and things like that? Does he have a sales, what we call a salesman's toolbox at mm -hmm. his disposal? Does he have the licensing condition, the terms and the a sample proposal, a presentation, a demonstration, mm -hmm. a, 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 that's going to enable him to actively go to market? Mm -hmm. By the way, so now he's got to do his own data collection. Then what he's going to do is do his own campaigns and sequences mm -hmm. and contact strategies and leverage his network and, 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 and. Then he's got to prepare a presentation, a demonstration. Then he's got to go and worry about a proposal and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's a multi, what we really realize that people think you have a sales guy and he's going to deliver you revenue it doesn't work like that mm. it's actually very much a multi-role team effort mm. so that's and then that's what we've actually built our business on um it's so also, you're a you know, hunting company thing we are essentially 
a no actually we're not we are full business development company okay. hunting being a component awesome. we take it all the way through to closing the deal so mm. our people will close the deal the deal is struck between by the way between our supplier and the and the actual um and the customer and mm. we are the sales we become the fabric of the business the sales mm. fabric mm. of a organization we become part of that business we are their sales team awesome david how long have you been with braven and what do you do specifically been with braven for about two and a half years now okay. uh, and i think i came in just as a sales guy and now uh, looking after the operational side of of the Braven team and trying to, trying to turn sales into a science. Awesome. We're going to dive into that in a, in a little bit. Steve, why do you have such a bias for sales, specifically business to business? Why not get into building houses or, or accounting? Why live life easily? That's boring, Daniel. <laughs> we love the, we, we love the challenge. No, you know, weirdly, I mean, I, I'm engineer by background, but that's not not what the, it's not what made me happy. So I'm very much a people to people kind of person, okay. and yeah, and adding value to businesses. There's nothing more rewarding than delivering value to a business and being and and, and in your own way being rewarded. I find okay. it incredibly rewarding. So. And David, you're an engineer as well, aren't you? Indeed. I've got an engineering and an accounting background. And you got into sales. That doesn't seem like a logical fit. What happened there? Did you just get bonked on the head one day and, and decide, okay, I'm going to sell instead of make the engineering work? What, where did that come from? Um, so I, coming out of Aussie, I've never worked for anyone. Uh, that's not maybe working for Steve initially before, yeah. became, before turning to partner. Um, I think the sales side of things very misunderstood. And the reason why I fell in love with it is that a true salesman is a problem solver. And by definition, an engineer is a problem solver. So I think the marriage, the marriage is quite mutually beneficial. Okay. I like that. Um, I, I was uh, having a chat to a sales kickoff last week and saying a job is defined as just over broke, whereas a salesperson can write their own check and, uh, and that's also one of the attractions to be in this environment, to be in sales, is to own your own future. And I know you talk around that quite a bit. Uh, 2022 has kicked off with a bang. Steve, how are you finding the market at the moment? How are you finding the optimism levels? If one is there's no optimism, 10 being there's green shoots everywhere, where are you at the moment? Dan, I think, I think we're sitting at a good, comfortable eight at the moment. So we as a business look at, um, set ourselves quarterly um, goals and it's commit goals. So those are commit deals. It's, it's opportunities that we hope to close in a quarter. And I mean, we're four weeks into this quarter and I think we have something like 15 deals in our commit pipeline. Wow. So definitely deals are starting to happen. Yeah. You know, companies are starting to get past this anxiety and fear and hanging on to their cash and are starting to look at, at forward again. I think everything was about looking inward 
yeah. over 2021 and 2020. And now suddenly they're starting to open up again and say, hang on a second, we seem to have navigated our way through this. Cash is becoming available again. Business continuity is starting to happen. So we're feeling particularly optimistic. So oh, that's all awesome. Good have you seen buying cycles change in the last three years? And, and what is the biggest change that you've seen coming through from B2B, business to business kind of buying cycles? Uh, probably depersonalization. It's like sales is a very personal kind of thing. Yeah. Interaction, engagement with the client. You lose a lot of that using platforms like Teams and, you know, the electronic media, I still think that, that we will get through this and that personal contact will be, will start opening up again. I'm sincerely hope so. Yeah. You know, it's very, yeah. very hard to get trust, just that concept of trust across in an electronic medium, such as a Teams meeting and so on. Okay. Yeah, I trust is a fundamental, isn't it? Um, yet, yet um, at the core of running Brave and there is technology. And David, why do you think technology is so important today? So uh, technology is important, but what's, in, what's actually important is data. Um, you know, the concept of big data gets thrown around a lot, but it's how you use that data and how the technology enables you to use that data. That's what's making technology so crucial to any business. You know, you, you look at, obviously, we're on the sales side, so everyone talks about sales numbers, and we talk about proposals, we talk about meetings, and all of that comes down to data, but you, you translate that into bigger organizations, that if they had proper control of their data, which most often they don't, uh, they were, would be able, your C-level guys would be able to make real-time decisions. So I think that's the importance of technology, no matter which business you are, and any business that thinks that they can run away from it is in denial, and, and big denial of that. Okay. So I was having a chat. And I would like mm. chip in there. Go, so go, go. I would chip in there and say that if there's the the quantum change in Braven as a company from being there to where it is now, where we start to approach the 20 people sales organization has been around technology. You know, David's come in as the young gun into the business, very technically savvy, mm. and suddenly mm. At our fingertips, we have data like we've never had it before. Mm. And I'm talking about customer data, understanding. I mean, we openly say to you, and I can have a chuckle with Dave, and often he'll say, when he starts off a meeting with a customer and said, well, I've like, you know, basically I have like really um, stalked you. And so I can tell you this about your business. You know what I mean? And this is like your numbers and this is your headaches and this is when your financials go out. And by the way, this is what your technology stack looks like and so on. So having that data is absolutely fundamental and paramount to the new way of doing things. Yeah. So it's almost an unfair advantage, isn't it? Well, I say, uh, do you know what? I, I still do school, old school things. So yeah. it's like about picking up your Rolodex and phoning and yeah. the young guns in the business laugh at me. So yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of, I, I get that so much and there's new ways of going. And, and David, I think that you underplay just how much data and how much technology you do bring to the party. And uh, I, I think it's just because it's probably baked into your persona that you understand it. Whereas for Steve, it seems to stand out for you. Why do you think, Steve, that this 
Yeah, or how do you think this benefits your partners that you're selling? And more importantly, your team under wraps where you're managing them. How do you think it helps them to get ahead in the sales cycle? I think then, yeah, so that's a multifaceted question. From, mm. from our team perspective, again, the, how did you actually contact, what was your contact strategy? pre-technology do you know what i mean yeah. now suddenly we have everything at our fingertips it's it's changed the world significantly for our salespeople. from our customers point of view or our supplier because remember we have suppliers and customers from mm. our suppliers perspective it's all around targeting you know if you if you look at modern data uh, databases, um, contacts, um, contact databases. I mean, we've got such sophisticated um, workflows in these mm. tools mm. that, are, and, and by the way, search criteria. I mean, we can search per region, per size company, per type of technology, per role in the organization, mm. for companies that are larger than this and smaller than that, geographically located here. The, the search, the amount of data, and the way you're able to actually target your exact customers has become, you know, it's massively valuable mm. to, you know, you're not having to pay school fees every time. Mm. We're able to provide you with a very, very accurate target market. Mm. David, does this give you more time to think? And and does this give you uh, uh, more time or are you just, is, is the technology somewhat overwhelming and takes all your time? Where are you on the scale? I think possibly in the middle somewhere, just because I'm always, I always think we could be doing more. I understand that we could not, I think, I know we can be doing more. I know that we can be looking at technology and using technology better in our business. And I think to be honest, any business that's, um, that is wanting to scale, you know, technology becomes the underpin of that. And I think that's something I understand and still, still trying to understand. Um, I, I want to go back one question that you mentioned, mm. um, Dan, around data. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen about it, besides being able to target, obviously, specific people, is around being able to understand why something's not working, you know, or being able to understand why something is working. If you don't have that data at your fingertips mm. and you don't know why, you know, again, I, I use this when we were talking to suppliers all the time. Maybe not again, not all the time, but you say to them that, you know, what's your revenue target? And they say 10 million. And I say to them, cool, do you want 10 million from one customer or do you want 10 1 million, um, 1 million rand deals? Uh, and, you know, they struggle to answer me. And I say, you want the 10 1 million rand deals because it means that you probably control the sale. Mm. It also means you have 10 million. It means that you have 10 opportunities to upsell cost sale. Mm. And probably that 10 million rand deal was probably a blueprint. Mm. Um, so that's by having the data available, you know, why? So I think that's. Mm. I wanted to add to it. Oh, I love that. Uh, you know, we we chatted to someone on this podcast who was saying his business turned around when he got hold. He got a hold on his inventory and could understand the inventory cycles and and apply Pareto's principle. And it's exactly what you're talking around there. What is giving us eighty percent of our returns, and why are we not doing more of that? So that is um, quite deep thinking. And as a young exec you must be getting a lot of input from other areas. Who is your mentor industry role model um, that you would like to either emulate or you would like to take some learnings from? 
So I, I, I think that's a multifaceted question. Uh, I like because, those. Uh, yeah. I, I, follow, I follow different mentors for different reasons. Excellent. So I think from a habitual, hard-working point of view, definitely David Goggins. He's an ultramarathon. He's completely nuts, but I love it. Um, from purely business and a little bit of happiness and enjoyment, um, I would definitely say uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, he's an American entrepreneur. And then from um, a sales perspective and even business, uh, I would say Steve, uh, to be honest. Definitely uh, a mentor in my life just because he, he's obviously closer to me and I, I can trust him with, he tells me what, you know, he, he, he advises me at the right times because I know that I get stuck in my own head and yeah. he's the best mentor that I've had uh, in my life. Steve, uh, you you closer to 60 than 30. Do you, you can still taste have... these old. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never say so, right? <laughs> no, you would never say so. I've seen you in the gym, dude, and I know how much hard work you put in there. Do you have a mentor still, or are you bouncing off, off um, um, peers? Where do you go to, to keep up with what's going on in the information uh, highway that's out there? Dan, you know, like weirdly, it's like I'm grace change. I think you get like older guys who kind of push back on change. Yeah. Really, I totally embrace change. So I I tend to talk to a lot of young, smart people because their thinking is so different to mine and it's good. And so, yeah, I don't have, I probably don't have a single mentor. I mean, I admire different things in different young people and how mm. they conduct their lives and the way mm. they, you know, they conduct themselves. And so, but I do, I have a lot of young people that I engage with on an ongoing basis, just because they're different. Mm. It's brilliant. Mm. So, And that keeps up your energy levels. Is that how you keep up your energy levels? Because for anyone who knows you, you're a flipping firecracker and there's never a, a task too big for you. How do you keep up your energy levels to that? What refreshes you? I you know what, Dan, I have, I have like a, multi, a whole multitude of external things to the business. I mean, it's important, that balance. So, I mean, I do. I gym five times a week. I play golf. I'm very big into, you know, racing cars and motor cars and motorbikes and repairing them and building them. And, and I think so. I think it's so important. Family, having, you know, my kids still love spending time with dad. You know yeah. how important that is. So life balance, I'm telling you, you have to do it. And too many people, I don't think you're ever going to lie on your deathbed one day and say, I should have spent more time in the office. You, yeah. You're not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. So life balance, you know. Boom. There was, a, there was a mic drop moment, and I really like that. Um, I'm going to get uh, serious for a moment here. Uh, Dave, we are, are going through challenging growth, lots of growth, some down businesses open and close, uh, you know, the borders are down from a global perspective because of connectivity and platforms like we're on now. What is the biggest challenge facing a sales organization based in South Africa today in your mind? And how do you get around it? Uh, sales perception, definitely. Um, people don't treat their role with respect at all. You know, Stephen and I, when we chat to local people, we always say that sales is probably the most important, uh, behind your CEO, a salesperson is probably the second most important person in your business and sometimes the most important. 
you know, you go in, if you look at all the American CEOs at the moment, I'd say eight times out of 10, they came from a sales background, uh, okay. sometimes even more often than that. So I think from our side, it is that perception, you know, everyone still puts sales into that category of the used car salesman or the smouse or whatever it is. And I'd say that's probably the biggest, because of that fact, it's not giving enough respect, it's not giving enough education, so it's not giving enough time. And it just kind of has a, a domino effect on, on the sales profession. Okay. Steve, do you want to add anything onto that? Yeah, I think weirdly, you know, in America, where does the word representative come from? He's the representative of your business. So the smartest guys in the organization were the cream that rose to the top and became your outward facing part of your business. Sure. Sales in in a lot of countries is almost it's like people apologize for being salespeople. Mm. It's weird. They're the smartest. You've got to be able to think on your feet, boy in real time, every day of your life. I love that. Wow, that is good. That is good. Uh, David, getting back to my favorite technology, how do you effectively report to your stakeholders on the progress? And do you, is that an, an, a, a part of what Braven does? Yes, definitely. I think it is something that we can still improve on. Um, I'm busy looking at and stalking, as, you, as Steve mentioned earlier, other companies overseas to see how they report. And I do think that the more real time you can get, the better, because you're offering a better service to your clients. Um, but yes, we do. We do uh, report back, uh, you know, not just, and again, it comes back to why are sales working and why aren't sales working. So we report back on what we're doing in order to generate appointments. What are we doing in those appointments? What are we doing to generate the proposal? And what are we doing to ultimately close the deal? And by pushing those numbers back into the business, you know what isn't what isn't isn't working. Uh, and it's something that what Steve and I have seen is that maybe I'd say five to ten percent of companies in South Africa actually do that. And out of those, ninety-five percent are are, um, are IT companies. Wow. If you start going into different industries, that don't make any. They've, you honestly think they've grown by mistake. It's it's very interesting to watch. And obviously, I'm I'm talking. I'm talking B2B, I'm not talking B2C, it's a completely different model, but in the B2B space, the amount of times we see organizations and we talk to them and they've grown in spite of themselves, which I think in a South African context is possible, but if you go into a more hyper-competitive environment, I don't think that would be, you know, people say it's easy to make a rand and a dollar. I do think it is. I think it's completely easy to make a rand and a dollar, but you try and make a million dollars versus a million rand, I think it's easy to make a million dollars if you're analyzing yourself correctly. Wow, that is another mic drop moment. Do you think they've grown by mistake? Holy smoke. <laughs> um, Steve, you've been selling technology <laughs> solutions for 100 years. What's the one mistake you see clients making when selecting technology solutions? What's the one mistake you see repeated by customers? <sighs> Vaporware. Everybody <laughs> is able to, everybody, anybody is, everybody does everything. And in reality, it doesn't work like that. You didn't okay. mean, it's like, yes, we also do. And people buy on, yes, we also do then actually core value. You know what I mean? Okay. So what would you, how do you get around that? Or how do you advise customers around that? What should they be looking at when they're looking at a, at a, a, a solution to meet a particular need? I think that the, the biggest component in South Africa has got to be around capability. 
features and functions, most most products in the value add space, people know what they're looking for. Yeah. And, and what you as a sales guy, you need to articulate your value proposition against other people who play in the same space. The biggest differentiator in our market space is people don't pay enough attention to who and rather to what. So they look at the product, not understanding that you can take the best product in the world and a poor implementation will kill it for you. You know, so they, they focus far too much on product and not enough on the capabilities and skill set of the implementation um, company. Wow, that's solid. Dave, do you want to add anything to that or can I ask you a tough question? Uh, I, I just want to back it up and it's because we've seen it firsthand in a few companies is that Steve's exactly right, is that uh, they'll back it based on the Gartner quadrant and on the specific product, but they don't get into the nitty gritty as to who's the delivery team. You know, it's something you see, and I don't want to put anyone down, but you see that with a, a lot of the consulting, big consulting firms that the person that does the sell is normally a partner the people that do the actual work are very junior. And, you know, it's something that I, I feel like business leaders, they should see that and should understand it and actually look into the team as to who's actually doing the implementation of the project mm. and the experience of those team mm. members. Mm. Sure. That's local so capability and local skill. Yeah, it's all very well mm. that you're a big international IT company. Tell us what you've got on the ground. Tell us what capability is here to solve my problem tomorrow when it happens. Sure, that's that's solid. That's good advice. Um, when you decided Steve Braven would start offering services globally, what's been harder than you anticipated to sell from South Africa into other markets in SADC or into Europe? It's a weird, but probably credibility. We are, we are a third world country. People perceive us as a third world country. They don't perceive us as, as being up there in the technology know-how space. Okay. So just convincing them that, that um, your partners can do what it says on the box, that their skills Absolutely. in X area can be deployed. And getting that across on a platform like Zoom must be quite tough. Do you have feet on the ground in Kenya or, or, or in, in London, or do you rely on this type of format? So we have partners. Our model, our model is around creating for a lot of our company, for a lot of our suppliers, we also do a lot of channel development. So that is around getting enablement in the different countries. We are as Braven, we're moving into Europe. So David's so Dave moving to Portugal and we're starting up a branch to handle the European market. And um, next year, we have one of our other senior partners moving into America. So, yeah, and it's bi-directional. It's um, bringing American products into the African continent and getting South African products out into the world. So that's going to wow. be our model. Well, David, you look at a lot of the operational sides. What is the one thing that you think is going to be quite difficult to manage when you are, are truly spanning the globe? I think the, the coaching side of things, uh, again, it's that personal interaction with internal employees. From a customer side of things, uh, I'm not as worried uh, just because I've been able to sell quite successfully via a team's meeting. It's, it's not something that I think I've necessarily battled with. I do think that the bigger the deal, the obviously 
there's different considerations to get into mind. But the way that I'm gearing the company or the way that we're gearing the company so that is, you know, it goes back to that idea of um, selling as a science. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm using that same methodology, it means that I can manage it anywhere in the world and it's all numbers driven. You know, yeah. Steve uses, I'm going to use Steve's analogy because I like it, so I'm just going to steal it from him in that, um, you know, sales is very easy to measure. It's the same as cricket. If you're a bowler, you better be taking wickets. Or if you're a batsman, you better be scoring runs. And the same with sales. And that is how we... And because we've divided into so many different subsections, it makes it easier to coach and to get involved with people and tell them where they're going wrong, whether it be from an internal grading perspective or whether it be from external supplier perspective. Awesome. Awesome. David, another one for you. If you had a billboard across the N1, what would it say? <laughs> Just in general. What would it say about sales? Sales. Okay, so we asked just the second one, sales. Um, I think it would say that everyone needs to do sales. We're all Every in person sales. Is sales everyone okay. in sales. Awesome. And technology doesn't take that away. No, it doesn't remove that need. And I, I believe, you know, I've got a special love for uh, augmented reality and virtual reality. And I think at the heart of its maturity, uh, it's, not, it's definitely not going to matter where you are in the world. Uh, you put on a certain lens or something like that, and you start getting that proper face-to-face feeling um, through technology. So I think technology is going to be more the enabler than anything else. Awesome. Thank you. Steve, a, a, a tough one for you. This, is, this one's going to rock you now. If you meet with prospects, what is the key ingredient for a good relationship between Braven, the customer, and the partner? What's the magic that makes it work? And you know, shit, this is going to be a great relationship. Communication. If the guys can have an open and honest discussion with each other, you know, it's no good going down the path of proposing a solution and there's hidden agendas. And so trust and communication, if that's, if that's in the pot, identifying a need and, you know, that that's all secondary. It, it does at the end of the day, remember that, we're in the technology business, but we're in the people business. That's probably the single biggest key. People actually like-minded being able to collaborate, work to solve a common problem. So it's all around communication. Awesome. I like that. So communication and communication isn't talking at each other. It's understanding yep. what we're each saying. I, I like that. David, um, I know this is more for you. If you wrote a book, what would the title be? And what would the dedication be? And a book on sales or running a business? Uh, definitely running a business. Okay. Um, and my, the title of my book was How Not to Run a Business. <laughs> how not to write a business. Okay. Cool. Or how not, to, how not to run a business. That's what I would title it because of how many mistakes I've made in my short life. And just talking about different mistakes and failures. Oh, that's and what fabulous. I think you should be doing. Yeah. So I've already got the title on my thing. I just need to spend some time. Stunning. Stunning. I look forward <laughs> to buying one of the first copies. Steve, what's the one myth about sales you would like to dispel that you would, ne- you would never like to hear again? What is the one myth of sales? That salesmen talk too much. Okay. Salesmen are good listeners. A good salesman is a good listener, not a good talker. 
I'm taking that. A salesman is a good listener, not talker. I love that. Thank you. Try to be the perfect husband. That's what you think is a good sales. Yeah, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. um, David, for both of you, actually, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to a customer going forward in this digital journey as they select partners to walk with them? What, you know, they might never use Braven. And then Steve, I'd like you to answer it from a different perspective of someone who wants to take their product out there. What's the one piece of advice you would give them if they, even if they never use Braven services? Can I kick off then, Tina, just yeah. the second part of the question? It's around the concept of value versus perceived value. In your mind, you see something as valuable and you go down this road and develop whatever the idea is without doing your homework properly, only to get to the end of the journey and find that the product is not, it's not perceived to be valuable in people's lives. Mm. So understand mm. the difference between true value and perceived value. It's different. Mm. David, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, I think I think Steve is definitely that's the most important thing. And then I think the second is preparation. Um, more often than not, you're finding companies are wanting to grow in it, but they're not prepared for it. Whether it be resource-wise, whether it be collateral-wise, whether it be being, having answers to certain questions that they should be prepared for, whatever that might look like, uh, yeah, be prepared. Awesome. So be prepared. Um, I had, I'm old enough to have been in the army, and um, um, our, our brigadier used to say, don't expect what you didn't inspect. And I think that's a really good point in moving forward. If you're in sales, you need to be over-prepared to answer every uh, um, potential twist in the tail. Um, also, it's just going to lengthen the sales cycle, isn't it? Yeah. So productizing what you have is, is obviously people have different views on what productizing, what they have to, to take to market. Mm. You know, is it actually ready to go to market people you know will develop will make will manufacture but it's not productized until it has a tick in the box on canada you know, how what does it do what does it solve and 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 once only once you've answered all of those questions there's nothing worse than going down a line you know with a company taking their their solution to market to find that it actually has never been productized per se you know what i mean it's difficult mm. to articulate mm. what it does what its value is and mm. and and and, and. Mm. so true productization before mm. you mm. engage with you know engage a sales team to take it to market mm. you've never you've never sold anything like that hey hey uh, david a product is that never <laughs> I'm going to actually let you off the hook there. Guys, it's been really good to have some time with you. And I know that it's, um, it's a stressful, up and down, fun environment in sales, being in sales myself. I want to thank you for Braven and Braven Solutions for spending, us some, spending some time with us. I want to wish you well for this first quarter. May the orders be big. And the cycles be short. And I hope we have you on Rocket again. From my side, Daniel Robus, I just want to say thank you and have an amazing day. 
Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,